0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Jen A. I'm residing here in Colorado, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 20th, 2024. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today we're reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter titled Bill's Story. We're on page four, and we're reading starting at the third paragraph, beginning with, we went to live with my wife's parents through one paragraph, ending in an unwelcome hanger honor at brokerage places. Today's awesome readers for Team Tuesday are the following. 12 Steps, we have Tony B., 12 Traditions, Judy O. Our reader of the text is going to be Rena L. Closing reader will be Ramona A., and Crystal R. is backing us up in the wings. Newcomer reader this morning is Maria H., and our second hour moderator is Christine G. The reference numbers for yesterday's meeting on Monday, February 19, 2024 are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 21,146, 21,146. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 21,147, 21,147. Here's the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting to our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, and we take no position on that. and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tony B. to read the 12 Steps.
1: Thank you, Jen. Hello, friends. My name is Tony B. I am a compulsive overeater, and I'm gratefully recovered living in Scotland. Here are the 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable.
0: I'm now going to ask Judy O to read the 12
2: traditions.
3: Hi,
4: this is Judy O oh from New Jersey, a recovering compulsive overeater. Thank you so much. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the overeater who still suffers. create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities thank you for letting me be of service
0: well thank you tony b and judy o for reading the steps and the traditions this morning this is how our meeting works our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of alcoholics anonymous we're going to read a paragraph or two from the literature then we're going to stop and share on what was read anyone can share but we do ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we're discussing. And that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on the topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share you're going to press star one to unmute and once you're done sharing Let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to resume our study in the chapter. It's Bill's story. We're in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're located on page 4, the third paragraph, We Went to Live with My Wife's Parents. We're going to read that one paragraph and comment on it only. But I'm going to now ask Rena L. to begin reading for us.
5: Go ahead, Rena. Thank you. Hi, this is Rena L. Compulsive Eater uh, from Toledo, Ohio. Uh, all right. We went to live with my wife's parents. I found a job, then lost it as the result of a brawl with a taxi driver. Mercifully, no one can guess that I was to have no real employment for five years or hardly draw a sober breath. My wife began to work in a department store, coming home exhausted to find me drunk. I became an unwelcome hanger-on at brokerage places. All right, uh, this paragraph, I, um, you know, when I first read Bill's story, um, I was uh, about two days sober from drugs and alcohol 20 years ago, and the only line I related to in this paragraph I remember was the brawl with a taxi driver, because the time I lived in a big city, I was in Chicago, and I was always <laughs> having late night brawls with taxi drivers, and I thought, wow, I'm not the only one. You know, I had so much shame about it, but I also, was—I. it was the first time I had the thought that I'm not the only one, like, make, you know, there's not just something disgusting about me. Um, when I read this paragraph now, I see myself in every word of it, you know, um, that uh, in the depths of my food addiction, how dependent I become on other people or how much, right, like living with my wife's parents, I didn't... I didn't live with my wife's parents, but I certainly was dependent on other people for how I felt, for what I thought of myself, for what I thought of anything, and my brawls with taxi drivers were the fights I got in with anybody who didn't act according to my script anywhere. It could be the checkout counter. It could be, and I didn't get in fights like I punched people. Like, I glared at them. I stammered. I sometimes raised my voice, and then I felt disgusting afterwards, and I felt like I was coming to pieces, and the only thing that could solve that was more and more food, you know. my wife began to work in a department store, coming home exhausted, right? That's all the effects of his disease on other people around him and his family. And that, in the end, my food addiction tore through every relationship I had. I showed up. I didn't show up. I did how I showed up. I barely showed up in the end. Um, and so what this paragraph makes me reading is just grateful. It's grateful that I get the chance to be sober and abstinent. But more than that, it makes me As a result of recovery and being recovered, um, I'm i becoming a person I didn't even know to hope to be or want to be, which is someone that even when no one's looking, I'm not yelling at taxi drivers for not going as fast as I want or being able to make traffic disappear. Um, And my dependence is on a higher power. It's not on what people think of me. Um, And when I do impact other people in a not-so-great way, I hope I don't do it as much as I used to. I have a feeling I don't. Um, But also, I get to work the 10th step. I get to reach out to people, and I have an 11th step. So I guess all of this to say, I'm just super grateful for another day in recovery Uh, and being recovered, and I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Rena L. from Ohio. getting us started this morning so we value everybody uh we excuse me we value everybody's experience on the line this morning we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too if you'll give me your first name and the first initial of your last name your state when you get up uh, to pitch who would like to share today
6: alec
7: b from missouri Jason okay, K.
0: So, let's go back to the beginning. Thanks, Jason. I got you. Um, let me tell you there was somebody before Harlan, Tanya, Alec, um, and Jason. Who was it? Katie
8: G from Boston.
0: Thanks, Katie. Yep. Katie
9: G, Harlan, Tanya, Alec, Jason, and who else? Anybody else? All right, folks, let's get started. Katie G. from Boston,
0: you're up. Go right ahead.
10: Hey, Jen. Sorry about that. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston, and um, wow, what a great first share. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, for me, um, I got really sick in this program, and I, I had my first job, right? And um I got sober and I remember calling my dad who um, grew up really poor and had no money and provided everything for me. And I said, dad, I can't work anymore. And that's not, that noise is not coming from my line, my line. I said, you know, I really, it's too hard to be sober and I have an eating disorder. So I quit my job. And then I went and spent thousands of dollars on suits at Banana Republic for a job that I didn't have. You know, and I love this line, I became an unwelcome hanger on at brokerage places. Like, how many times, how many, you know, yoga studios and exercise studios did I show up for so early? I remember this one yoga studio, I showed up for for yoga so early in the morning that he asked me not to keep showing up. And I love, too, the discussion about fighting. You know, today, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. And that includes for me, Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't have an opinion on outside issues. And for me, at this point in my life, honestly, everything is an outside issue. Everything. Um, I don't, I don't want to have opinions because when I do, when I go at the world, I alienate everybody. I'm a bull in the china shop. I'm that unwelcome hanger-on. Um, and how I've always been the odd girl out. Um, I remember I had to go to the guidance counselor in fourth grade because my friends and I were fighting, and that continued on through college. Um, I was always the one that people had a problem with, Um, and it's because I was restless, I was irritable, I was discontent, and frankly, I didn't know how to have relationships. Um, uh, Nine years ago, I made an amend with someone, and she said, you know, you have a lot of goals, but you have no relationship skills. And she's right. And a day at a time, thanks be to God, because I am recovered, because for today, based on my spiritual condition, I live in the steps. I do not fight compulsive eating, and I do not fight other people. And thanks be to God, I'm learning to have quality relationships with people, to live with an integrity, and, of course, to make myself a channel of God's peace, right? Let me help others. Let me seek to love rather than be loved to understand rather than be understood, and most importantly, to be an agent for God, to carry the message that no one needs to suffer from this disease anymore. And with that,
0: I pass. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Katie, G. in Boston. Up next, we have Harlan. Harlan, go right ahead.
3: Is that me? Okay, thanks, Jen. (laughs) Jen, thanks for your (laughs) service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. When we talk about the progressive nature of this disease, a lot of times we focus in on the amount of food we're eating or the amount of times we're purging or starving. But there is more to it than that. Let's take a look at this paragraph. The year is 1931. Lois is now having her second ectopic pregnancy. This was in the days when doctors made house calls and Lois has called her physician because she cannot stop the bleeding and eventually he doesn't come and she calls her father. Her father is Dr. Clark Burnham. He's a gynecologist, he's a surgeon, and he's a genetics doctor. This is the second ectopic pregnancy and Lois is hemorrhaging out. She cannot stop the bleeding. The father comes and the father has no use for Bill Wilson, never has had any use for him. Let's remember that on page three, one page before this paragraph, Bill Wilson was, he had arrived, his judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions, Every and he's got fair-weather friends. Now, Bill is drinking every day and every night, and Lois has this ectopic pregnancy, and Dr. Burnham leaves a note on the table. We are at the hospital. Please come immediately. This is at about 5 o'clock at night. The next morning, at about 10 o'clock in the morning, enrolls Bill Wilson to the hospital. He has obviously pissed in his pants twice or three times. He has obviously puked on himself after a night of intense drinking. He stinks he is filthy. He hasn't brushed his teeth. He hasn't sh- he hasn't shaved. He hasn't bathed. He is a wreck. And there is a note on the nurses' station where Lois is, not to let any visitors into the room without clearing it with Doctor Burnham first. And Doctor Burnham comes down and he reads the Riot Act to his son-in-law. You are a drunk and a sot. You are a disgrace to this family. I don't know what my daughter sees in you. Get out of my sight. Go see your wife. Get cleaned up and get the hell out of my face. Now, Dr. Burnham never had much use for Bill Wilson before because Bill was always trying to sell him on investments, which he didn't want to do. He was not a speculator. Now, he gets into a brawl with a taxi driver. What happened there? He's in Manhattan. He's drinking near Wall Street. He feels Lois has money in her purse that he could take to pay the taxi, and he didn't want to take the train back to Brooklyn. And he hires this taxi driver. He can't pay the guy, and they get into a fight. The bottom line is we are products of our time and products of our culture. And at that time, in the 1930s, Men were expected to work and support their families and support their wives. Lois is working at Macy's as an interior decorator, making twenty six twenty five dollars $25 a week. Time, please. And he can't work. He's a drunken sod. And this is the situation that he finds himself in. And this is who he's moving in with, are people that can't stand him. And this is, I'll pass with that. Thanks, Jen. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much, Harlan G. from Arizona. Up next, we have Tanya followed by Alec. Good morning, Tanya. What's the first initial of your last name and where are you calling from this morning, please?
11: um, Good morning. This is uh, Tanya D., a recovered compulsive overeater from Illinois. Uh, Grateful to be on the line and great shares. Um, And to me, what's striking about this paragraph is that um, there's no hint that Bill thinks his drinking is a problem. Just in general, at this point, Um, in the chapter, uh, you know, a couple paragraphs later that will say he still thinks he can control the situation and there are periods of sobriety that uh, renews his wife's hope. Um, Like, we can all see how bad it's gotten, uh, especially, you know, given that last year, adding some context to it, but it doesn't seem like he can see it himself at all, right? He still thinks he has control. Um, And it's not going to be until kind of even later in this story that he thinks uh, he realizes that he cannot drink at all. Um, And to me, this just speaks to how cunning, baffling, and powerful this disease is because um, you know, before OA, I, well, you kind of think, okay, it maybe it just hasn't gotten bad enough for me. You know, maybe um, like at one point my doctor told me, you know, I had high cholesterol and if I kept going this way, I might end up with a heart attack. I'm like, okay, now um, I I really have an incentive to, you know, get my stuff together and, and it didn't help, you know, um, and uh, this is just a reminder that uh, for me that like, you know we we can hit uh, bottom at any point and we can also not hit bottom at any point um like i love the saying you know we hit bottom when we stop digging because there is always more to be dug like it's going to get even worse for bill uh as bad as it seems now before uh he realizes that uh that this is a problem um so yeah just a good reminder for me about um the deadly and serious nature of this disease including the fact that it can trick us into thinking we do not have a disease and we're fine and it's the other stuff that's the problem and if only the other stuff were fixed uh, everything would be great uh and that's definitely um you know a, a lie for me like i cannot uh use food uh, as a drug like that has to be the first thing you know if I'm not abstinent uh, I cannot deal with any other life's problems Um, and if I don't recognize that I have a disease I cannot um, you know hope to be um, happy and healthy Uh, thanks with that I'll pass
0: well thank you so much Tanya D from Illinois up next we have Alec I believe it's Alec B but they'll tell me and then Jason K hey Alec good morning
7: Hi, good morning everyone. This is Alec B. That's right, from St. Louis, Missouri. So glad to be here this morning. Uh, I'm a, a compulsive overeater and restrictor recovered uh, for today uh, only um, by, by God's grace. And and this paragraph, I mean, which just hit me so clearly, uh, just listening to it, was mercifully, mercifully, right, with mercy. And, and it was so striking is that in this paragraph, right, that word mercifully, the, the word mercy, it's not in the context of the recovery, but in the context of the disease, that, that he's looking back at, at this, this painful time of his life, the pain of, of, of impotence, of lack of control, of loss, of addiction, and even there he sees mercy. Even there, there is mercy. And I can really relate to that, because while it was so hard for so long, I was so embarrassed by this and humbled by it and ashamed of it, um, through surrendering to this program and giving up control of my of my eating and of my weighing and and of all that, stuff, giving up control of that and and handing myself over to this God, it, it transformed me and changed me and healed me and freed me and allowed me to help others and allowed me to be more centered and more gentle.
6: Um, and
7: yeah, it's it's imperfect. And yeah, I, I still have to make uh, amends frequently. But there is always mercy, right? And mercy is like you could read the whole, the, all the steps through the lens of mercy. This God whose name is mercy, who comes into our lives, and, and mercy beyond is just forgiveness, but more a tenderness, a closeness, a uh, 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 an embrace, right? And and then we go through and we make amends, and what do we receive? We receive mercy, and so not only is mercy in the recovery of this God who enters into our hearts, right? We, we read that in the book, that so we have the certainty this God has entered into our hearts, but that even perhaps permitting us to be in this disease is also an act of mercy because it brings us to a deeper knowledge of our own humanity and of our own need, right? How can you receive mercy if we don't realize that we need mercy? And so for me, coming from a place of, of power or intelligence or being the best or, or whatever the culture is forming me in by struggling with food, with this most basic thing that, that is focusing and, and, and being so obsessed with that, that I realize that I too am in profound need of mercy. But what a great thing that is because our God, his name is mercy. And that, uh, and that mercy is always there. And so I'm thankful for this program. I'm thankful for the mercy you all have for me. I hope growing day by day uh, through the 12th stuff, I can be a source a channel of mercy for others and that I can look back and look at every moment in this journey and say wow there was mercy mercifully I was in the disease and mercifully I'm no longer in it and so with that I pass Alec B from St. Louis Missouri.
0: Thank you so much Alec B all right so we're going to have Jason K up next but before Jason uh, pitches here this morning let me tell you where we're at if you just joined us on the line today. We're in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're in the chapter titled Bill's Story. we on page four, the third paragraph. It begins with, we went to live with my wife's parents. And we're reading through one paragraph ending in an unwelcome hanger honor at brokerage places. So I'll let Jason step up and then we'll take a lineup after him. Good morning, Jason.
12: Good morning, Jen. Um, good to hear your voice and hear you on the line this morning. I'm um, Jason KP. Um, added the P when I got married. I'm still getting used to that. And uh, recovered compulsive eater, um, living outside of Philadelphia here. So whenever I read a paragraph or look at a paragraph, I always want to put it in context. You know, what step are we on? And and you know, why why read Bill's story? You know, who cares about this guy? You know, in the 30s, rumbling around in his disease. So for me, I always try to take this step of trying to make it personal. Like, what is Bill trying to sort of transmit and describe and and help us understand? And for me, the word that's coming up here is unmanageability. And I I love through Bill's story, we see the unmanageability and the progressive nature of his disease, which Harwin already mentioned. So we're looking at this sort of, I picture sort of like, circling the drain and when I looked at my first step first coming into being recovered about six years ago and I and I just sort of reflected deeply on my own life and the progression of my disease and the unmanageability you know he was fired from jobs like I was almost fired from jobs I didn't get fired but you know I I I I think of the disease it's it's kind of like a cancer and You know, it's not always as pronounced. Like some people have a little bit of cancer, a lot. Like the essence of it is the same though, the selfishness, self-centeredness, the um, engaging in the compulsive eating, my life circling the drain. I'd be sitting there, I wasn't getting fired from my job, I almost got fired, but I'd say, I need to quit this job and take another job where I can have more time to eat compulsively because I can't manage, I can't hold on and some of that unmanageability is external like bill saying he's you know getting in brawls and he's getting um fired from jobs and moving in with his parents you know there's that external manageability for me you know living in a little small room rented in a house cuz i'm spending you know i calculated it once 1200 dollars a month on food on eating out you know grocery trips and on eating out every day um and so i'm living in this small little room in a house and i'm working you know two three jobs just trying to make it all work and then there's that internal internal manageability where some people would look at my life and say you know yeah he's struggling with this but you know his life doesn't seem so bad but on the inside dying on the inside the amount of shame the heaviness um that i carried with me so so you know, when I read this paragraph, I want to look at it. How do I relate to this? How is it personal? And even today, six six and a half years recovered abstinent. Is there unmanageability? Is there internal despair? You know, I did a tenth step this morning with my sponsor. You know, I'm going to work and I'm pumping myself up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to. You know, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. And I'm like, do you. And, and I could hear, wow, the fear in that. I'm like, wow, the self management. I'm like, I'm already feeling burnt out, just, just saying it. So, um, yeah, the, the, today, the, for me, this reflection, step one, unmanageability. Um, and I, I hope hope everybody's seeing that, too, and relating to that and with that, I'll Pass.
0: Thanks so much, Jason. KP from Philly. All right, so we do value everyone's experience. We ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. To get to hear other voices on the line. So if you would like to give me your first name and the first initial of your last name, your state when you get up to pitch, I'll go ahead and list you and we'll take you to their lineup.
13: the UK?
9: Roz G. And Roz. Anybody else? We have Claire E. and Roz G. And hundreds of people on the
0: line. Just press star 1, even if you're new. There's no abstinence requirement.
14: Nikita H. Could you spell that for me, please? N like Nancy. So A-K.
0: N-A-A. I got that part. Go right ahead.
14: N-A-K-I-E. F like Frank. A. Last initial H.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. N-H-A-I-F-A-H. Okay, perfect. And then who else? Susie there? Susie L.?
15: Gail
0: Y. Say that again. There's kind of an echo in the background. Something with a Y. Gail Y. Gail. And Gail, if you're on a speakerphone, that's kind of what it sounds like. Just make sure you're not on a speakerphone when you come up to pitch. That way we can probably hear you a little bit better. We want to hear what you have to say today. All right. Thank well, let's you. start with that group.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. We're going to start off with my friend Claire G across the pond, Roz G, Nahifa H, Susie L, and Gail Y. I believe Claire, you're up first. Go right ahead.
13: Thanks, Jen. My name's Claire E. I'm a recover compulsive eater. and bulimic in Cornwall, UK. And um, yeah, I just got one of my um, all-time favorite phrases in the because it sums up what I suffer from, which is the unwanted hanger-on syndrome. And, um, you know, I, I really relate to Bill W. here. When I was at school, I, this just really brings to mind a period of time in my life where I I was not wanted by anyone, really, because I went to this boarding school. I started in my sixth form, which is like when I was 16, 17. My anorexia and bulimia were rife. And I was a weirdo. You know, I sort of just hung around in the back eating you know and i remember you know these sort of pointed comments from these other girls that i shared this boarding house with um and and i and i sort of I, i i sort of it was like a big act i kind of pretended to be one of the crew but i just wasn't and we had to at this boarding school we had to live out of the um we had to live with masters basically in the second year and nobody wanted me and i ended up you know with another couple of girls who clearly you know and, and i felt like that i felt like the unwanted hanger on and my solution to that was to isolate more and to eat and and it was a very miserable lonely time in my life um and i suspect it probably was for bill w too you know a miserable lonely time people who didn't want him there but they were doing the right thing like like his parents-in-law they were sort of doing it for lois um and um and it's really interesting as well because and one of the reasons this is a phrase of mine that i really relate to is because that feeling has persisted with me into recovery as well. And I, I've I've sort of done a lot of inventory around this, you know, I've I've often, even at OA conventions, sometimes I felt like the unwanted hanger on, you know, the outsider looking in. And I hear that a lot in meetings um, about that's a persistent sort of ism. And, and, and the sort of conclusion I've come to is that's because I'm so self-absorbed. I'm so into what everybody else is thinking of me, how I'm coming across, what I'm, you know, whether I'm one of it, whether I'm wanted, whether I'm this, whether me, 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 me. That my persistent feeling is that I'm the hu- unwanted hanger on and and you know the real solution to that is to go into a situation seeing how i can be of service of how i can give of how i can be present of how i can listen to people of how i can you know and it's it's a a really interesting persistent feeling and it's one for me that personifies my illness is this unwanted hanger on self-absorption you know sort of um yeah sort of almost narcissistic sort of you know what's in this for me you know why how am i my feeling in this situation. Um so yeah, I love that phrase and um and I will leave it there. Thanks. Thanks so much, Clary from the UK up next we have Raz G
0: and then followed is Nikita H. Go ahead, Raz.
9: Okay, thank you. Good morning Jen. Good morning everybody. My name's Raz G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And uh I know what it feels like to um, live in a situation, live in a marriage where uh, my husband didn't work for the last five years of the marriage. I could see this um, this paragraph from angles of an alcoholic, you know, from the al- al- alcoholic's perspective as the compulsive overeater and the, the wife. And I, that was a miserable existence to uh, have a husband that didn't work And I did the working. I did the grocery shopping. I did the care of the family for the most part. And I resented just about every minute of it. Um, It was miserable, just miserable. And then I think about, you know, myself and how uh, the attitude I had and how I was dependent upon my mother for groceries uh, it, this wasn't all the time, but, you know, looking to her for help and complaining about my husband. And it just, every day, uh, you know, be miserable when both of us had a disease that we didn't even know about. And today I'm so grateful to look back and to be able to identify with the way Bill drank, the, the way I ate, the way Bill drank, the way my life, how I lived in po- American-style poverty, and but I looked at, at at it mercifully today, as as we've heard about mercy, I look at it mercifully today, knowing that I had absolutely I no idea that I had a disease, that I can identify, and that I have earned my seat in these rooms, and that I I can say, yeah, I've been there, <laughs> I've done that, I understand, but today. I don't have to live like that, and i can I can say, yeah I have, a, I have a job, but I'm grateful that God has given me a place to to serve in my community, a place to serve in the twelve step groups, and that I'm no longer an unwelcome hanger her because I'm sure what, I know that with my attitude, the way I acted, uh, the way I impulsively blamed, compared and shamed before thinking about things. People didn't want to be around me, family members or friends. But today, that's, that's, a, that's a lot different. So I'm so grateful that God has turned my life around in so many ways, but that my past is a great asset to be able to identify, share in these meetings, and work with sponsees so that they know that I'm armed with the facts about myself. And I don't have a holier-than-thou attitude when working with them. I have an attitude of identification. Thank you. I pass.
0: Perfect timing, Roz G. from California. All right. Up next, we have Nahifa H. Um, Thank you for the spelling of your name to tell me where you're calling from so that folks can find you on the member list. Go right ahead.
14: Good morning. This is Nakefa H. And I'm calling out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, My name is Nakefa. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I really appreciate being in. Bill's story, and I'm really trying to relate my Eden history um to this paragraph and all I keep coming up with is that I myself have made this uh little prison you know um that loner the unwelcome hanger on i don't I don't know whether I'm unwelcome or not it it doesn't feel that way, but internally. And emotionally, that's exactly how it feels, you know, like I'm in places that I don't need to be because the food is working on me in such a way that I'm isolating and um it's 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 just profound, you know, um, it's crazy how much I identify with uh Bill W as an alcoholic i'm I'm a sober alcoholic. But that food, I'm just a traditional Bill W. Ebby Thatcher type eater, and um, I'm just grateful to be in Bill's story because this is where uh, I can learn more deeply about the physical craving because that, that's the section of the story we're in. So I'm just grateful for that and grateful y'all are here. With that, I pass.
0: Thanks so much, Nakipa H. from Georgia, for speaking up. Here comes Susie L, followed by Gail Y. Susie, where are you calling from this morning?
16: Hello, my name is Susie L. I'm I'm calling from Austria, Central European time. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater and a recovered sponsor. I, yeah, so Bill's story is really like, I love Bill's story because Bill is so much i can relate to so many things that he is how his mind works how his ego works the progression of the disease can i can relate that to my my disease how i how i felt before coming to program in my compulsive overeating um we are so obsessed about food i was so obsessed about food about some one at some point that i could not hold hold friends the way um I I can now. I could not hold my... Everything was a drama. Everything was horrible and I had to grab food to make myself feel feel better. I changed a lot of jobs. I changed um, friends. I I just... I thought everything outside, on the outside, was the problem and then I used food to make myself feel better or numb my feelings because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And, um, yeah, we are... At some point, this is the sickness, and it's really hard for our loved ones because our loved ones think, okay, just stop eating. They, I, I heard that quite. So just go on some diet, get some help. I mean, I got so much help, but nothing helped me. Nothing could work. Um, and they think uh, they don't understand really what the gravity of this is. That we, that we, I don't have any willpower. It's a chronic sickness, and I cannot I cannot control this on my own. I need a higher power to help me. I need this program to help me. And um, so it's really hard for, people, for my loved ones. It was really hard to see what I was constantly doing. And they were trying in so many ways to help me, but nothing did help. And, it's, of course, I felt really bad, but that made me just grab more food. So... Um, I am now in this program for over four years and it's changed my life. Um, it, it it's just, I, I, I never thought that I would be able to not obsess about food, uh, that I could just eat when, what, whenever I want and what I want and, and not have to be compulsive overeat. But this is the case. And this is amazing. And I'm so grateful for that. And um, I, I've gotten a new life through OA and, um, it's just if you feel like you this resonates with you if you're new to this program it just just do it i can just say just do it because like bill when we go on in the story he finally will start working this program come to the, coming and 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 it will change his life and that has, is happening to so many people who are working this program including myself I'm not in self pity anymore. I'm not a victim of anything. I don't need to grab food to comfort myself or celebrate something or whatever. I'm just fine around food and I have great relationships and it's, yeah. And I can help other people and that is the best part of it actually. And with this, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Oh, thanks so much, Susie L. from Austria. And now we have Gail Y. And then we'll have a little bit more time. So if you're thinking you might want to share you can get ready after Gail's pitches. Go right ahead, Gail, where are you calling from this morning?
15: Hi, this is Dale, D is in David, A-L-E-Y. I'm calling from Chicago, Illinois. It's the first time I've ever spoken at this meeting and I'm really grateful to have the chance. I really identified with this paragraph um, with respect to getting into fights with the taxi drivers. I wasn't getting into fights with taxi drivers. I was getting into fights with all of my coworkers and, um, all because of my food. I am a compulsive overeater, binge eater recovered. Um, I am so grateful for this vision for you. I have been listening every day for probably a couple months now and, um, I'm being restored to sanity, which I am so, so grateful for. I'm grateful for all of you. So thank you for letting me speak.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Dale Y, for correcting me in Illinois. And so we're going to take a few more names first initial uh, um, of your first name plus the first initial of your last name. Go right ahead. Maria
2: B.
17: Riska R. Hi, Maria. Maria B R. I think it
12: was Rivka, right. Rifka,
17: right.
8: okay, and then who was the H, Yvonne, sorry, Yvonne, Yvonne H, Yvonne H,
4: thank
0: you, Yvonne H, perfect, if you folks will press star one and mute yourself again, we'll get started with Maria B, Rivka R, and
2: Yvonne H, go ahead, Maria B, hi, I'm Maria B, I'm from New Hampshire. Uh, but I just got. I'm a compulsive overeater, um, and have been, and not recovered because I went back out. But I just got my super confirmation. Just even listening to this meeting, I'm born and raised in Vienna, Austria, and I just heard this other speaker, Susie, and um, thank God because, there uh, though I have been living in America now for more of my life than in Europe, but. I just always deep down think, oh, this is just an American thing, Maria. You've just caught this here. It's just an American idea of overdoing everything, including eating. And it's so not, and I know that because I was a compulsive overeater growing up as well early on. I know that. And I have um, over 10 years in the AA program of continuous recovery uh, but the food thing is very difficult. Uh Well, actually, it's impossible for me on my own. And that's what powerless is. And I know it. My life is completely unmanageable. I just lost my temporary job. Uh, my um, whatever. My relationships, too, are messy. And it is because I'm in the food. So I just got my dose of what I needed today, and I'm going to be reaching out to my fellow Austrians along with other people in this program. Thank you so, so much. I, got, I heard what I needed today for sure. Thank you. Bye.
0: Oh, Rita from Lakeland. Okay. I'm sorry? Rita, Rita H. Okay, Rita, from Lakeland, I'll try and Florida. add you to the end. Sure. I'll add you to the end. I have a list of um, one, two, three other people right now. So if you'll, um, we'll go ahead and mute the lines. And if we have time, Rita, I'll add you to the end. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Maria B. from New Hampshire. Up next, I have Rivka R. followed by um, Yvonne H. Go ahead, Rivka.
17: Hi. Good morning, Jen. Can you uh, hear me? Because I don't know if I got remuted.
0: Yes, you're perfect. Thank you.
17: Okay, thanks so much. Um, good morning, everyone. It's, it's uh, Riska, our gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Baltimore. Um, and what strikes me about this, this paragraph is just not being able to show up for life. Like, there's Lois who needs her husband there, and, and he's not able to be there for her. And, um, like, because, because food was my life, like, I couldn't show up for life like, if I'm honest, like, food is really what I I thought about most, Um, even though I had, you know, a wonderful husband and wonderful children, and, and, um, you know, I I would be happy that my husband would go to sleep so I could binge. I mean, that was really what I wanted to do. Um, And once my young, one of my sons was, you know, young, and he was helping me carry packages in, and he... Uh, he slipped and he, he dropped the the package, which, you know, had ice cream in it. And I, my first, the first, you know, (laughs) first thing thing out of my mouth was, you know, is the ice cream okay? Like, I mean, my, my son, not about my son, it was about the ice cream. Like, that's what my life was about. Like, and, you know, I would, I would have a table full of guests, you know, and, and I'd be running ostensibly to be serving the next course. But, binging in the kitchen while my guests were waiting at the table because I just, I that was, I, I just, every moment, you know, my, my thought was directed towards food. And, like, tr- trying to be present for life while I was looking like I was trying to be present for life and not being able to be present for life, like, it, that was such a painful way to live. And when I think now being, you know, having a life where that is not my focus my focus is to eat my abstinent meals and um and to be able to show up for people to show up for my husband to show to show up for my children and to be present for them like what a gift like what an incredible gift like it feels to be able to show up for from for god you know and and to ask what his will is for me and 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 not to be so self-centered and self-focused is just, it's the biggest gift. And I just want to thank everybody for, for being there. The, share, the shares are so incredible. And just knowing we're all on this journey together, being able to show up for life, like, wow. Just, I'm humbled. So thanks for letting me share my pass.
0: Thanks, Resco. Where are you calling from this morning? I didn't catch that. Sorry.
17: Oh, from Baltimore, Maryland.
0: Okay. Thank you, Baltimore.
17: Thanks, All
0: right, so here we go. We have Yvonne H. followed by Rita L. So, Yvonne, go ahead and press star one.
8: Thank you so much. Thank you for calling on me. I'm Yvonne H. calling from Germany. Wow, thank you so much for all the shares. I can relate to Bill Wilson. I see him as somebody living very unconsciously. Very egocentric, everything is him, 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 and he was a very intelligent guy. And I think he knew that. And it was all about his, I don't know, his stockbroker thing there and anti alcohol. And the alcohol was the most important thing. So he also only saw it himself. And when I see myself in the past, um, the same. I lived in a very unconscious life, very impulsive, very compulsive, very just doing my will. Um, I was lucky enough to get sober after my first uh, meeting in AA. At the same time, 24 years, I didn't make it with OA, because I didn't understand the program. I didn't understand God. I didn't understand the guidance of God, the instruction. So I just went on doing my own thing. And what I realized in the last day.
17: Can you mute it, please? I can't hear.
8: So
0: um, she's in a cafe or something with her headphones. That's what it sounds like to me, um, Yvonne.
8: Can you can you listen? Can you hear me?
0: Yes, there's a little bit of um, noise in the background because you're in a know. place. It sounds like yes, yeah,
8: yes, yes. So okay, I'll make it. No, I'll make it short. Um, just want to end by saying that I've learned that everything is about mercy, about love, and that's God for me. And um, serve my my jo- people in my job to serve my companion to serve my family and be very close to God. That's what I'm learning learning now, and now I can be abstinent. So with God's guidance, with instructions of the big book, I can be abstinent. And I'm not that unconscious anymore. I'm much more conscious and knowing what I'm doing and knowing what God's will is for me. Not always, but um, sometimes. Thank you so much for letting me share. I hope you could hear me. Yes. Thank you, Yvonne
0: H. from Germany. These technology headphones pick up everything, don't they? So uh, we just do our best to listen in and up next, we have Miss Rita H from Florida. Rita. If you'll press star one to unmute and share with us,
18: hi, my name is Rita H. I'm very nervous been thirty years or more. I've been a very angry person. My husband died a year ago, which I could accept, but it was very hard. But I also lost my son in the same year, my only son. And I have so many amends to make that I hope I live long enough to make them all. I'm not. Um, myself, as far as being angry, I've always been a nice person, uh, a successful person. I had a, I was very involved in OA 30 years ago. And just listening to everybody has brought back so many memories to me. But having people talk from different states and different countries, It's just been wonderful today. And so today is my first day, and I will try to take just one day at a time. Thank you.
0: No, thank you, Rita H. from Florida, for showing up today and pressing star one. We do welcome our newcomers in a little while, so stay on the line. We'd love to get your contact information and reach out to you as well. All right, folks, well, guess what? Our time is up. Thank you to everyone who shared and did service and who was just here on the line this morning listening and being a part of this meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Here's the share ID for today, so grab your pen and paper. It's Tuesday, February 20th, 2024, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Big Book Meeting. The recording number is 21,149, so that's 21149. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. I will now ask Ramona A. to please read a vision for you.
6: Hi, this is Ramona A. in Vermont, a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.